Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello again and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. It's the podcast. I love a good singer. I love a good song. Well, this bloke, uh, our guest this week, uh, fits both criteria. He does. He's got a great little band at the moment called King Canyon who've got a great song you should check out called Blacktop. It's a beauty. His name, of course, is... Jimmy Couples. That's him. You might remember him from The Voice. And he will remember his time on The Voice as being a, a very uh, <laughs> poignant moment and significant moment in his career. It was very odd, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. So it's a really good little story that he's got to tell us about The Voice. He'll also talk about uh, Peter Couples. Yeah. Yes. Of course, uh, is a cousin, so you'll find out uh, the story behind that. He'll talk about King Canyon, the band, and, of course, we get him in the kitchen to find out all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Oh, yes, and he also uh, waxes lyrical about his sweet tooth and his love of uh, all kinds of lollies. That is all coming up. <laughs> now, the food poll is a little more healthy than lollies. Well, we're not comparing apples with oranges, Kevin. What are we doing? We're comparing apples with apples. Why are we doing that? She'll be apples. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think it's a nice a nice idea to have something no, fruity and fresh. It's a Bloody nightmare, this food poll. We're putting the pink lady apple, which I know Kevin loves. He has it regularly oh, in his fruit salad, yeah, up against the good old Granny Smith. I love the Granny Smith too, but it, 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 in certain areas. But this has opened a can of worms in an apple, <laughs> this one, let me oh. tell you. I've been working on that one for Sweet. some time now. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to the food poll a little later on. And I have also a surprise for you. For me? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready because later in the program after Jimmy Couples, we have a Food Bites update, Ooh. update, update, update. <laughs> smack you, make him stop. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> just smack him. Uh, that's coming up after Jimmy Couples. He's right now here on Food Bites. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Jimmy okay. Couples, we know how you shape up on stage, but um, how do you shape up in the kitchen? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what I've been doing a lot lately? I've been um, getting into slow cooking, uh, like chuck steak and things like that. Mm. Um, I think partially because I was brought up on Scottish stew, you know, <laughs> the old um, chuck steak, um, slowly cooked and the peas and all that stuff and the potatoes, but I do I do it without potatoes. I just sort of have a nice chuck steak and I put that on the plate. I sear it both sides and then cook it for about three hours, put it on the plate with some vegetables and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Do you do you enjoy getting into the kitchen and doing your own cooking? Because I imagine the life of a musician doesn't uh, lend itself to uh, to getting much time to uh, to do some, some stuff in the kitchen. I, I, I absolutely love it when I can do it. I absolutely love it because um, when you're on the road, you quite often just sort of have to eat what's available. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be really, really tricky to to get your uh, the kind of food that you need because I get a little bit of indigestion from breads or p- pastries or things like that. So when we're on the run and it's a sandwich from the petrol station or a pizza or something, it just ain't going to work. <laughs> I, I'd rather not eat, you know. I bet you've seen some uh, dodgy Bain Marie's in uh, roadhouses along the Nullarbor or somewhere in your time, have you? <laughs> uh, look, I think I, I did. Uh, I've done one or one or two of them, and I and I got sick oh. on one of them. I thought, no. The manager of the band says to me all the time. Never eat from those things. <laughs> there are reason, there's a reason they're called petrol stations. Hey, you mentioned your Scottish upbringing. Tell us about uh, about that from a food point of view. 
Well, um, mum and dad were um, singers, and so we come out from Australia. We come out from Scotland to Australia. You know, they were quite um, busy sort of singing around the traps here in Australia. And But there was time to cook, not a lot of time. It seemed to just be a stew all the time, you know. It was stew for, for lunch, stew for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since I was a kid, I couldn't really eat breakfast. I always felt sick when I had breakfast. And mum would take me to the doctor and said, he's so skinny, I'm awfully worried about my wee boy. He's too skinny. So, and the doctors always, back then they gave you a big jar of this stuff called malt. Um, and they said, when, whenever he gets home from school, just give him a little bit, a bit of that stuff and it'll fatten him up in no time. And uh, How did that work it, out? Well, it did actually make a difference. And I absolutely couldn't wait to get home from school and have one big, huge spoonful of this malt. Malt like the, uh, the stuff that you put in your milkshake to make a malted milkshake. That's right. It was probably so bad for you, really, you know. <laughs> but it fat me up, yeah. You now, you mentioned that your, your parents were uh, singers, and I, I understand that they were, uh, they were classically trained singers. Yeah, mum and dad, yeah, that's right, yeah. And they, they sent me off to uh, a lady in the city when I was a teenager. I'd get on the train in Weemstown and I'd go straight to Gunda Street Station I'd walk for about three or four minutes, go up an elevator to the seventh floor of this really old school building, and I'll never forget it. I used to go in there, and it was a tiny, tiny, tiny little room and a piano, and this lady, Miss Rizeki, would teach me all the all the, uh, the right sort of owl sounds and how to hold notes and the rest of it. But, you know, I, I kind of abandoned that after about two or three years and started um, actually singing like, you know, cult chisel and, you know, Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple. And mum and dad were like, why are you being? Put all that money and you're screaming in the bedroom. Sound like a death patch, you know. So, But they got used to it and they started to really love the music. And, of course, when I said to my mum and dad, you realise Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones have both played on Tom Jones records and Shirley Bassey and they suddenly liked Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Jimmy, I understand your music career though didn't exactly get off to a, a cracking start. Uh, you had to pay to get into your first gig. Yeah, which was uh, I never forget that. I kind of always think, gee, those guys really took the Mickey out of us, didn't they? Um, yeah, this was in Sunshine uh, Army Base, all <laughs> <laughs> places, and and my friend Michael Lawrence, who who was a terrific uh, guitar player. He kind of got me into the Led Zeppelin stuff, actually, when I was about 16 or 17. Anyway, he was a little bit older than me, and he picked me up from um, Newport. I was living in at the time, Melbourne, and took me to the Sunshine Army base, and here we walk in with our two acoustic guitars, and, um, yeah, $2 each, mate, $2 each. (laughs) And you know what? They They were probably kidding, but we just opened our little purses and gave them what we had, which was probably, that was about it. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't very rich in those days, but it was a good fun gig. (laughs) Jimmy, you're a a Melbourne boy, obviously, and then we Melbournians take our coffee very seriously. Are you you a coffee bloke? Yeah, I I have a um, black coffee every morning. Look, I'm not big on um, coffee 
in the house. So I just go out to a cafe every morning and I get a black coffee. But I, I find it interesting when you have a black coffee because you can really taste if the, the coffee's good quality. You can taste if it's burnt or, or it's been done properly. Once they put the milk in, it kind of hides the the real flavor of, of the coffee and the foundation of it. But so, and you're going to, this is where you're going to think I'm a complete nutcase because I get my coffee, black coffee, every morning from McDonald's. Ah. Uh-huh. And I know that doesn't sound very fancy, but it, it's, uh, it's never burnt and it always just tastes great and it's never like to the point of boiling, boiling hot where you can't drink it for an hour, you know? So <laughs> that's where I go for my, my black coffee. I love it. And it, it really wakes me up in the morning. Yeah. But I only have one and I only have it in the morning and I only have one a day. Otherwise, it would be jittery, you know? What about a sweet tooth? You got a sweet tooth? Oh, that's my, my unfortunately, my biggest weakness. Oh. Yeah. I just, I just love... I mean, I'm a lolly freak, mm-hmm. you know, um, my, my kids, um, you know, I'll, I'll buy them a whole sack of treats and I'll put them all on the table and, and they hardly eat them. <laughs> and then I realise, am I buying these for the kids or me? <laughs> <laughs> Any particular lollies in the collection that you like the, the most? Yeah, uh, anything that's really sugary, which is so bad, but I, and I very rarely do it, but I do like, like those um, sherbet um, bombs, you know. Yeah. Remember the old sherbet bombs? Yeah, and they Ooh. stopped. Um, they stopped making the sherbies. Remember those? Yeah, but I wonder why. Exactly, you know? they were so popular. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, and ice cream is the other thing. I do, I do love poison berry ice cream. Oh, oh yum! Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, never going to be skinny, am I? Like that, I started out being too skinny, and now I've got to be careful what I eat. So, well, yeah, you, you substituted ice cream and lollies for the malt. I think that's where, <laughs> where your dietary uh, things gone on. Hey, tell us about King Canyon and uh, and what uh, exciting stuff is going on with uh, with this band of yours. Yeah, look, we just uh, released a, a terrific song um, called Blacktop. Yeah, good song. Uh, yes, uh, Nick Padilla. Um, recorded it, and of course he's done a lot of um, great songs for Bowderfinger and and different bands, uh, well known uh, overseas international bands as well. And he was he was great to work with. And we we went into his studios and um, we just bashed out about six songs over a period of I think it was two or three days uh, with vocals and harmonies and everything on top. So and um, we just sort of. Um, you know, sort of driving home, listening to the the demos um, once we got to um, Melbourne. Uh, so from the airport to um, South Melbourne, we decided that Blacktop was the one that we kind of thought would be an interesting one to release because it was quite catchy and a slightly different direction from the band, uh, from the other songs that we'd, we'd written, James and I and the guys. And we've got another... Another song that's um, a little bit sort of in that style as well, called Run, Rabbit, Run, which is another terrific song. And we wrote a ballad when we were up there. Um, it was a song I'd written probably two years ago, but James and I really worked on it and, and brought it up to 
really good little song. It's called Anne Marie. It's a bit, little bit old school, a bit sort of nineties actually. But okay. um, yeah, we recorded that. There. It's based on a true story about a a girl I was sort of seeing who, and we were just young. We really didn't um, do anything serious or get into a serious relationship. But she was a a really sweet soul and. Um, years and years later, I'd, I'd found out that she'd uh, sort of uh, overdosed and went down the, the, the road of drugs, which which I thought was so, so sad. And I just grabbed the guitar and started writing. And, and it was terrific because it's a, it's a song that has true meaning behind it. And when we recorded it, it just sounded so good. So that's something we'll release down the track, maybe in a, a year or so. But um, yeah, for now, it's blacked up and we've been... Touring, of course, we were touring with Ross Wilson on his Cool World tour, and the Bad doing a lot of uh, supports of the Bad Loves as well. So, um, with Michael Spivey, he's one of my favourite artists and songwriters. So it was, yeah, we've been doing pretty well the old um, King Canyon, and um, at the moment we're doing a, a tour around Australia. It's uh, the Plant and Page is Unleaded Led Zeppelin. So that's taken us away from the King Canyon shows because we've uh, we've been in rehearsal stages for for the start Led Zeppelin tour. But yeah, um, Black um, Blacktop is our new release, and it's, uh, it's a terrific song. Jimmy, um, so many people would remember you from your appearance uh, on uh, The Voice back in uh, 2012. Gee, it's going back a while now, come yeah. to think of it. But uh, what are your memories from that time and, and how did that uh, help shape your career? Um, I, I just remember it being really uh, a needed thing for me at the time to do because like every other singer, uh, an Australian musician, um, just, you know, you, you go around in a circle every year. You do this gig, that gig, that gig, that gig, and you've got to keep doing gigs because that's your your money, that's your income. So, and you just go around and you get really tired after about five, 10, 15 years of the mm-hmm. same routine all the time. And every year it's the, the, the New Year's Eve gig and then there's this corporate company that want to book you again and this one and it's all fa- it's fantastic and you're really appreciative of it. But you get to the point where you think, gee, hang on, I think I probably have a little bit more to, to give, but gosh, going on a, uh, a show like The Voice, that's, God, what if I am having one of those bad days where my voice says, I don't want to sing, and what if I walk out there and spoil everything I've created for the last 15, 20 years? But, uh, so it was a bit of a risky thing to do, but I thought, oh, stuff it, I'm going to do it. Um, and this minute I was there and I was in Sydney, um, and, um, it was, it was a terrific time because it was the first show to ever come to Australia. And so it launched, it had supposedly broke records for the, the most viewed show at that time because people were really excited because they'd seen the UK boys, the American ones and all over the world. And finally, Australia was getting their one, you know. So, And most of the cast from England come out <clears throat> um, to do it here. So we were walking around in the studios and everyone had a, a, an English or an Irish accent. It was fantastic. I loved it. I thought it was, felt like I was at home, you know. Um, but then um, and I'm, I was sitting out the back. And one thing I do remember, I was sitting out the back thinking, knowing my luck, I'll either be, I'll be picked to go on first 
um, or I'll be picked to go on last. <laughs> then Kylie, my ex-wife, she said, you know what, Jimmy? She said, if you go on first, great, you'll be full of energy. I went, oh, yeah, that's true. She said, if you go on last, you'll be falling asleep. <laughs> I said, yeah, I will be. Yeah. So um, anyway, I was the first one. <laughs> I me to go on first. This beautiful, big, tall um, lady come up to me and she said, Jimmy, do you mind sitting over here on the chair over there? And there were six chairs. And I, I went, oh, okay. And I sat on the last chair because I didn't want to sit on the first chair. I was scared. She said, no, sit on the first chair. I went, oh, okay. I thought, oh, God, what does this mean? You know, and the aircon was so cold in the in Fox Studios, I was trying to talk and I couldn't talk. Oh. Starting to break, my voice was cracking up because the aircon was so cold. And uh, the producer come out and I said, oh, is there any chance in a hot, hot, um, you know, warm, boiling hot water with some honey? She said, what's wrong? I said, the aircon's so cold in here. Everyone's losing their voice. She went, oh, my God. She ran away. And the next minute, the place was warmed up. <laughs> and within, within like five minutes of drinking that uh, boiling water with honey, I was on the stage. And I, I just remember it being the most exciting time of my life. I just felt on fire. And I made my mind up. The, the minute I walked, it was dead silence. Walked onto that stage. And I want to perform a song by an Australian band. And that's because I didn't care what was popular or what wasn't. I just wanted to be true to myself. So I sang a song by Wolf Mother called Woman. I thought because they were the first band to kind of touch on that 70s, almost slightly Led Zeppelin type feel, Deep Purple, Sabbath, you know. And I thought, I'm going to try a bit of that. And I felt great. And I'm really happy I did it to this day, you know. Did it open the doors that you hoped it would and do what you'd hoped it would do for your career? Um, yes, I, it really did. It pigeonholed me a little bit because um, I always just get called this rock singer. Um, but, you know, but I, I kind of grew up on soul and blues and, and jazz and everything, and I've sang everything convincingly along the years. But, you know, because I, I did that kind of music on on the voice, everyone just says, oh, yeah, rock singer. So you just get picked for rock things all the time, you know. But but it was it was incredible. And, you know, I think I got 1.5 million views, which was not too bad for, huh. I always think to myself, not too bad for a guy from, you know, Werribee, because that's where <laughs> I was living. I'm still living in Werribee. But, and I, I'm proud of that. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I did it, you know. Now, apart from pointing out the bleeding obvious uh, that you have a very familiar uh, surname to many, I thought we'd better just establish uh, your relationship with uh, Peter. You're, are your cousins, are you? Does, yeah, that's right. Um, Peter Couples. And, yeah, he was um, obviously very well known with his band that he had called Stylus yeah. uh, with Ronnie Pierce and, and, and the guys. They were, he had an amazing band. Fear of Thunder was a terrific uh, album as well. But Peter's he's not just, uh, you know, he's a distant cousin. I mean, we, but we don't care. We just say we, we're cuz. He calls me cuz and we hang out. And um, so we he first met um, me at um, this little gig I was doing when Irish pubs were all the go. And it was a little place in Chapel Street. And he walked up and I was singing Roxanne by the police and I got off the stage and um, he said, gee, he said, you're, your vocal range is 
really amazing. He said, we got to hang out. I said, oh, it's, thank you, mate. I said, nice to meet you. And I shook his hand. He said, Peter Couples. And I went, oh, I'm Jimmy Couples. <laughs> he, went, he said, oh, gosh. He said, do your mum and dad singers? And they worked in a little place called the Britannia Hotel in Williamstown for years. He said, yeah, that was, they had that gig for 15 years. Oh. <laughs> night they played there um, so they didn't want to get around they were quite happy playing in the one place but so uh, within a couple of days I was at his house in Elsterwick and we were just hanging out and talking and singing and just we just clicked straight away he's a terrific terrific guy that's amazing that's such a random story of how you were uh, well how you met <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's crazy because um, for years and years I'd I'd heard of Peter, but his hair, he, I don't know what, he was, must have been doing a, a theatre show or something because his hair was really long. And I had seen um, Peter on um, Carol's, you know, and but his, he didn't look like the Peter couples my mum and dad had told me about. Mum and dad just assumed that he was, um, he just had the same surname, you know, and he wasn't. Related, I guess they just thought that, you know. So, yeah, it was very interesting. And he, he is a terrific, terrific guy. He's doing some shows with uh, Jack Jones around Australia at the moment. And I, I was supposed to be going and, and getting up and having singing a song I sang years ago called Sunset Hills, which was for a movie. Um, and they asked me to come, but now I've got to go and do this support for Ross Wilson, so, which is beautiful. But I, I would have loved to have hung out with both Peter and Jack because they're, they're both just, not just incredible, talented people, but just really nice, sweet, down-to-earth people, you know? So you got a busy 2024 with, uh, with obviously, with the band with King Canyon and with the, the Zeppelin shows and that, so lots coming up for you. Yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be run off our feet doing that, um, that show and it's an 11, 11-piece band, but we're going to have a, Busy, busy year, but we are, you know, um, we're going to have a great time doing this Led Zeppelin stuff. And after we do that, we'll be right back into King Canyon. So looking forward to this uh, 24, that's for sure. Good stuff. Hey, Jimmy, usually just to finish up, we like to ask our guests uh, if they have a kitchen tip or a cooking tip they'd like to share. Do you have one of those? Well, um, um, I would just say try not to burn the food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't really have any tips. I'm not the greatest greatest cook in the world. I, I cook for myself and I think, fingers crossed, this comes out good. But what I have learned to do is not over-season, you know, and taste test, definitely taste test. Because uh, my, my dad will go in the kitchen and he'll, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He thinks he's Jimmy Ramsey or something, you know. Gordon, and he puts a bit of this, and and he sprinkles a bit of that, and he puts that, and then he sits down and he goes, Jesus, this tastes rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Thanks so much for your time, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. Good luck for 2024, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate talking to you this morning. Have a fantastic day. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. 
And now we know a whole lot of stuff about Jimmy Couples that you didn't know before. Yes, and I was always curious about his relationship to uh, the great uh, Peter Couples, what who has a, been a previous guest on this podcast as well. What a great story. Yes. Just, like he's know. a second cousin, but he, they just kind of met randomly by chance. Pete just doing bar hopping and finds some bloke singing Roxanne who turns out to be his cousin. Oh, oh you're not. Uh, your surname's Couples. Yeah, there you go. Funny about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now it's time for, oh. not the food poll. No, okay. it's time for our Food Bites Update, 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 update. Smack him. I recently had the great pleasure again of catching up with William McGuinness. It's always a pleasure and you always laugh hysterically. He is such a funny man. He has a new book out called Yeah Nah, which I uh, had a chat with him about for the Authorised Podcast, which you can find Mm. wherever you find all the dodgy podcasts. Uh, And uh, we talked about a whole lot of things, but then at the end I said... William, I've just got to check on something because yeah. having been a guest on Food Bites previously and had a, a memorable, memorable guest in our first season yes. of Food Bites, I wanted to get an update on uh, on a very important part of that particular experience with William. Mm. Put my Food Bites with Sarah Patterson uh, hat on and ask you, because uh, the last time we spoke to you on that show... Uh, when we spoke to you on that show, you, you didn't catch on. You invented, <laughs> yeah, you invented the dim sim pizza, and we want to know whether that has taken off and, and whether that is uh, continuing in the McGuinness household. I, I have made it a number of times. I don't want to say that I'm trying to push a, a, a you know Leyland P seventy six on anybody, but the dim sim pizza does have a bit of a following down here uh, on occasion. The thing is, though, you don't want to sort of take too much trouble. I tried to make a, uh, a, well, a South Melbourne dim sim pizza, and I thought, if I'm going to get the good dimmies, like, you know, from the South Melbourne market, which is sort of legendary in Victoria. The best, yes. Yes, and I sort of, I thought, I'll make a, uh, a gluten-free, carbohydrate-free pizza dough, and I did that with, you know, Greek yogurt and um, just plain flour. And it, it looked like... Uh, I don't know what it looked like. It looked like a satin five had a rocket had exploded in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it was like that, sort of a. It was a scene from our station zebra. It was just shit everywhere, snow everywhere. I thought it looked like you know, Pablo Escobar's kitchen instead of mine. Um, uh, and it sort of tasted okay, but then the consensus was no, just the sort of. Pizza base from the supermarket and a couple of marathon dinners. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Off you go. And you know, everything in the Dim Sim Pizza, it's got to be, you know, dried oregano, chili flakes, a bit of barbecue sauce, and lots of mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had it, I've not created anything else. But the Dim Sim Pizza is my moment of being Leonardo da Vinci. You know, not everyone could be Edison, mate, but I, I'm sticking firm in my belief that that is a gift to Australian cuisine. <laughs> you, you had me at Pablo Escobar's kitchen. <laughs> He's a lunatic. He is a lunatic. Uh, but there it's you go. That's famous. He's literally been stopped on the street yes. about his dim sim pizza in Warrnambool, I believe. Yeah, it, was, it, was. it wasn't, you know, William McGuinness, you know, loving your, your latest acting work. It's, William, did you create the dim sim pizza? Yeah. It's when you get stopped, the bloke goes, hey, hey, I heard you on that show. And you'd be thinking, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, one of my TV the shows. The news or reader or, no, yeah. No, the one. You, you made some dim sim pizza then. <laughs> he loved it. He's, oh. been, he's been dining out on that for a long time. What? <laughs> so don't muck around. Such a picture. Don't muck around with your top of the yeah. range dimmies. Just get your marathon ones out of the uh, the local supermarket shelf and off you go. Keep it simple.
There you go. There's our update on uh, on William McGuinness and the Dim Sum Pizza. Let's get to the, the food, food poll. The food poll. Speaking of keeping it simple, apple against apple. Do you like the red or the green? All right, let's find <laughs> David out. Bird is going to start us off. He says the Granny Smith for cooking, but the Pink Lady for chomping on. Muriel Cooper says uh, if it's for eating, not cooking, then the Pink Lady is for me. Go. Deb Murphy <laughs> puts in her own option. Royal Gala apples are the best, she says. It's a theme that will run uh, through this poll, uh, trust me. Joylene says, Pink Lady for me. Rebecca says, I'm not a fan of eating apples as a snack, but I love to cook with apples. Oh, Crokey says, if I'm going to lose my teeth, it will be from biting into a firm, crisp, sharp-tasting Granny Smith, Ooh. not some soft, sweet and mushy Pink Ooh, Lady. Oh, controversial. Stephen Quartermain puts his own type in. He says, Fuji. Peter Hitchener <laughs> answers that by saying, agree, Fuji. Oh, okay. Candace Wyatt from Channel 10, I agree, or even a red delicious before either of the above. Oh, There you go. How many options is that? Five. Uh, yeah, well, it gets worse. Tarelkin Tiger says a granny. Jamie Duncan says a granny Smith, no question. Gary says a pink lady. Terry Daniel, granny Smith, thanks. Uh, really like the green apples more than the red ones. Julie says Fuji. Peter says both for me. Mark Quinn says oh. I prefer the jazz, oh, introducing a new one. species. She's <laughs> like a David <laughs> Attenborough version of the food It's a pole. documentary. <laughs> Amanda says, does cider count as apple? It certainly does. And Sue Hosking says, absolutely it does. Uh, Eddie Olick says, look, it depends on what I'm doing with them. For oh. example, if I want a sweeter apple strudel, oh. I'll use the Pink Lady. If I want a more tart, I'll use Granny Smith. Oh, I'm a bit of a tart. Uh, Di says she loves Pink Lady. We may stop the poll right now. Oh. What? <laughs> Silvana says Granny Smith for me. Leone says Granny Smith all the way. Lauren says Granny Smith. Kim and Dale, Granny Smith for Apple Crumble. Oh, my goodness, yum. And Pink Lady for Munching On. Devin says Pink Lady for me, but the Granny Smith is in the apple pie. Oh. <laughs> Kathy says, pink lady for eating and the Granny Smith for cooking. I've put on 10 kilos just yes, doing this poll. Just add cream. Stephen Tiddell says, uh, Granny is actually more consistent in texture. Oh. Pink Lady is sold for way too long. The Granny wins, but the Pink Lady is a super apple. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Michelle Smith says Granny Smith. Fran says Red Delicious, another new variation <laughs> on the theme. Anne Peacock, Pink Lady. Stephen Raitman says Granny Smith only. Anything pink or red is soft and too there sweet. There Mick from the Twitter says neither... <laughs> Royal Gala for the week. We've got 18 <laughs> versions of apples here. Michael Rowland from the ABC Yay. television program in the morning says Pink Lady. Speaking of high-profile media people, Neil Mitchell, former Mornings King mm. on 3AW, he says Fuji instead. Now, you know, if you'd done that on Neil's program and he'd given you two options yes. and you picked a different one, he'd be India. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Wilson finishes us off with Pink Lady easily, Wow. Now, the voting is interesting. <laughs> There'll be a recount, I can tell you. Uh, you thought Donald Trump was playing around with votes. Uh, Pink Lady, 25%. Granny Smith, 30%. Oh. 
Fuji, <laughs> Jazz, Red Delicious, uh, whatever else came up, or both, 45%. We do love it when oh. people add their own twist on the poll, don't we? Well, you know. It's it hard a, for you because you're, you're doing the tallying. But <laughs> yeah. The people in the tally room have complained. They want overtime uh, because they had to go through and recount about 14 times. But, uh, yeah, interesting. I've got to find – I say I find them hard to split, actually, as an eating apple. I um, I love a pink lady, but I also love a, uh, the crispness of, uh, of a granny. Smith. Yeah, I must admit, uh, in uh, in fruit salad, Granny Smith is beautiful. Yeah, but a couple of people mentioned uh, apple pie and apple crumble. Got to use the granny oh, for that. Yes. Bit of cream, bit of ice cream. Yes. Bob's your uncle. Oh. Did I say 10 kilos? <laughs> granny meant, Smith's your auntie. I meant 15. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the last time we're ever comparing apples with apples. <laughs> Next time we're doing apples and oranges or anything else. Ah, just you uh, wait. That is Food Bites. Hope you enjoyed it. Till next time, uh, take care and look after yourself. Should be apples. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.